I get buckets. everyone and welcome to another episode of the Blue Wire Buckets podcast. I am Dan Favalli, co-host of the Hardwood Knox podcast and I'm super pleased tonight to be joined by Sam Cooper, co-host of the Timeline podcast, the Phoenix Suns podcast, and Justin Rowan, co-host of the Chase Down podcast, a Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. We are all part of, as you might have guessed, the Blue Wire podcast network. I don't know how many times we're going to say podcast in this. Uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Sam, I'll, I'll let you go first as the polite Canadian. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, Justin and Dan. Thanks for having me on. Should be another fun podcast. Uh, happy to be on Buckets again. How are you doing, Justin? I'm, I'm doing all right. You know, this is, uh, this is a pretty big day for Canada. I'm not a Raptors fan, but I, I know enough Raptors fans, and my phone is blowing up with a, a bunch of people very, very excited. They should be. The Bucks have dropped three straight. I think that was the first time all season they they dropped three straight. They lose game five in Milwaukee, 105 to 99 to the Raptors. Very exciting game. Um, I could throw I'll probably throw it to you, your guys for each of your biggest takeaways from this. But I will just start off by saying Milwaukee really crapped the bed in the fourth quarter, just not being able to grab a, a defensive rebound towards the end to save their life. And I was saying this to Sam before we jumped on air. Milwaukee entered this game averaging 83.5 points per 100 half-court possessions in this series, and I'll be shocked if that number didn't plunge during this game. It's, their set offense is just god-awful. It's, yeah, you said it. It's tragic uh, right now. Outside of transition. Tragic. That's the that's the best word for it's it. It's tragic. Outside of uh, transition, they have no offense right now. And the shot selection, you know, Eric Bledsoe came out in this game with nine points in the early minutes, and I was ready to eat my words. I was super excited for an Eric Bledsoe resurgent performance because that's <laughs> what they've needed out of him. Um, but, but he kind of crapped the bed after that. Nico Miritich didn't do anything in this one. Um, Brogdon was all right. Uh, but overall, just their transition offense is <laughs> absolutely terrible. And even if they do manage to win game six and seven, which I really do think they still have a chance uh, to come back in the series, they're going to be in massive, massive trouble if they end up playing Kevin Durant and the Warriors. Because you saw it with Toronto. Toronto just gave up on grabbing offensive rebounds throughout the first three quarters. They went back to sort of scrapping for some offensive rebounds and putbacks in the fourth quarter. But in the first three quarters, they were all locked in on their transition defense. And they just locked down the Bucs. Bucs couldn't do anything. Yeah, that was my biggest takeaway. Is just really, really strong showing from Toronto's defense. The game started off pretty wide open. And uh, Milwaukee was kind of getting whatever they wanted in transition. But uh, once, as Sam mentioned, once they started getting everybody back, forgetting about offensive rebounds, they really took control of the game. And... The job that Kawhi has done on Giannis is really, really impressive to me. Um, that was an adjustment that Nick Nurse made after the first couple games. Giannis has seen more of kind of a, a steady diet of uh, Kawhi as opposed to Siakam. And uh, yeah, it, it just really impresses me, the job that he's done there. Uh, Fred Van Vliet going full Stephen Curry in this game probably helped too. Seven of nine from three. And the fact that the Raptors... Uh, end up winning a game where Marcus Gasol, Pascal Siakam, and 
and Kyle Lowry end up combining to go 10 of 32 from the floor. Just that's a that's a rough break for Milwaukee as well. And as Sam said, the Bucks were punting. Uh, sorry, the Raptors were punting on offensive rebounds, and yet right. they still just found their way into their hands during the fourth quarter too. Uh, eight second chance points there that absolutely ended up torpedoing the Bucks. Yeah, it seems that the Raptors bench is really just dictating a lot of these games. Like you, you kind of figured out with them going back on the road um, that maybe they wouldn't have as strong of a showing. But as you mentioned, Fred Van Vliet really playing well. Um, I thought uh, Abaka played really well. Not not a whole lot of scoring from him, but he definitely made his uh, presence felt on, on the defensive he, end. I'm just so happy for Van Vliet, man. As as a guy who's been a fan of that guy for a long time, his first 15 games of the playoffs, 26 percent from the field, 20 percent from three point range, and now over the just the past two games, Van Vliet a plus 52 off the bench, 34 points, nine for 11 three-point shooting he found his shot at precisely the right time and uh yeah no he's he was obviously huge we should talk about the bucks a little bit though i mean what would you guys think of for one the brogdon miritich switch in the starting lineup for the bucks because i went into this game thinking that you know milwaukee had only dropped two in a row maybe they didn't really need to to do that but it actually seemed to be pretty effective for the most part i mean they were really close in this game even though toronto won with more discipline at the end yeah well, that was their starting lineup for the regular season, so I, f- I feel like that that move probably just made sense. And like I think both of you have said, Miritich has just been awful in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think Miritich is really even playable in the series. Like I, I think if either Miritich or Ilyasova is on the floor, Toronto has an advantage in, in those minutes. It was a six point game. Miritich was minus eleven. Il- Ilyasova was minus ten, and. <laughs> Poor George Hill, minus twenty two on the night. That that's a that's a tough look for your boy. Even though, even though his stat line was good, they they they, they just were not good. The, the the bench really let Milwaukee down in this game. I guess I'll put it this way: like for Milwaukee, you're obviously looking for consistent contributors after Giannis to try and power you through. Because this entire series, the problem, one of the biggest problems with the Bucks has been just not having the same level of play initiators that the Raptors have. The Raptors can generate so much more through the number of guys that can just make plays on their offense. With Milwaukee, I mean, you know, when Bledsoe shits the bed, when Middleton shits the bed, they really don't have much. If you're a Milwaukee fan right now, who is public enemy number one? Are you most disappointed with Nico Miritich this uh, series? Are you most disappointed with Bledsoe? Middleton followed up a great 30-point performance. I mean, granted, he had 10 assists tonight, but still the two-for-nine shooting wasn't looking to be aggressive at all. So I guess, you know, it, it seems like, there are a lot of potential names to be disappointed in uh, if you're a Bucks fan right now. Look, if you're Middleton and you have 10 rebounds and 10 assists and still fail to get a triple-double, yeah. <laughs> no, that's No rough. kidding. That, that, that is definitely a tough look. The other thing I, I kind of noticed with Giannis, so the, the Raptors are really dro- dropping back and, and they're bringing help defense at the right time. The difference between Giannis and, let's say, LeBron, who, who would really find those open guys immediately in those situations is starting to shine through. Like I, I still believe in the bucks. I, I think at this point I'd pick Toronto t- to win this series, but I, I, I believe Milwaukee could win the series and they could even really challenge the warriors. But if they're going to, I, I think Giannis is going to need to make those reads just a little bit sooner because there has been some missed opportunities in the series and it's part of the learning curve, but he, he really is kind of struggling to, to react, read and react to Toronto's defense. 
it help if he could make his yeah free that too. that would also help and uh, I also think he could be getting to the line a little bit more than he has I I don't think that they've got a, a favorable whistle in these games well it's also it's the wall Toronto's wall is just right hey there. hey Mark, Mark really has a name man screw with give, give up his name. <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to screw with Milwaukee in transition, it's going to throw their whole offense off balance. And Sam said it before, they just don't have as many initiators as the Raptors. And I think the starkest contrast is, I believe Middleton is their second best playmaker. And that's a problem when Eric Bledsoe, he's your, for all intents and purposes, your other point guard, if you want to call Giannis, is going to run point for most of the time. And so you don't really have that. You know, there's George Hill, but he's never been that guy. There's Malcolm Brogdon, but he's more of an off guard. So if you, if you're going to really get into Giannis in transition and, and you're going to have bodies back there uh, again, kudos to, to Marcus on, I guess there are probably a few calls that could be a point of contention, but I have to give most of maybe 90% of the credit to just Toronto's defensive designs. Yeah, at this and point. this is why you trade for Marcus all like, even though he did not have a great game offensively, just his presence out there, um, key offensive rebound, obviously, in in the last minute. But his presence out there, especially on the defensive end, it, it just it really has kind of been the the bedrock for for the Raptors' defense. And um, I, I know that he's kind of received a lot of criticism in this series, and and he hasn't been as assertive as he can be. But his, his defensive floor is very high, and when he's playing at his very very best on that end, it. It really, really makes things tough for this Bucks offense. It's interesting that he might be sorry, Sam. It's just interesting that he might be a better defensive fit going up against Giannis Antetokounmpo than a traditional floor spacing big, which is just crazy to say when you look at I, how I the agree. Raptors have been defending. I think that's been the go-to strategy on Giannis for teams all season. I mean, you know, I can speak for the Suns personally. The Suns beat somehow beat the Bucks twice in the regular season. DeAndre Ayton, for all of his defensive woes, played some fantastic defense on Giannis as a wall. Like that's just how teams have been, you know, throwing their. I, I mean, some teams have a problem if you have these extraordinarily flat-footed big men. But for the most part, having guys like Marcus All, who still has the foot speed to keep up with Giannis, he's done a great job. I, I just think it's funny that we're talking about Marcus Saul's defensive presence in a game in which he shot one for six from the floor, had zero <laughs> assists. Really wasn't his typical self. And yet here he is. He's still made this positive impact. It, it's just he's been a guy who's really far surpassed my expectations of what he would be capable of doing in Toronto, uh, even if the box score doesn't reflect that. Tonight. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they don't win this game with Jonas Valanciunas. Just going to go out <laughs> on that limb. I, I mean, they uh, wouldn't be in this round if they had Jonas over Mark Gasol. And I know Toronto gave up a little bit of their depth. Um, I think DeLon Wright would have been helpful at times here. But o- overall, Marcus Hall has been a real difference maker for them in the playoffs. And with Fred Van Vliet playing like Fred Van Vliet again, and as Sam said, basically going Steph Curry here, um, that that really changes things for the Raptors uh, bench unit there. There's there might be something to the Raptors in the sense that it it would it would track that they could be peaking as a team right now because you look at the injuries they dealt with over the course of the year. Leonard's uh, rest maintenance. I mean, he's playing on one leg now or 1.5 legs, whatever, uh, but just the roster turnover in general. And so I, I, these games aren't necessarily pretty. And I don't think 
Leonard really hasn't been able to count on that consistent number two being there, but it always seems like it's someone different. And at least there's now someone there where it was really just him and Pascal Siakam through much of the first two rounds. He had Kyle Lowry the other night. We've seen Marcus Gasol be a little bit more aggressive at times in this series. And so maybe that's just an element of the Raptors threat. Like, yes, they're still banged up, but this might be the time of the year where they're going to peak because they they finally just have reps under their belt. And uh, the yeah, I mean, he doesn't have a consistent together. number two, but as long as he's spinning the wheel every night and wherever it lands on that, there is a number two on any given night. Things are going to work out pretty OK. Uh, you mentioned Pascal Siakam. He had a he's kind of struggled in this series. I, I think he's still not at 100 percent health wise. Um, but Milwaukee's defense is taking a lot of things away from him. Sam, what, what's kind of your your uh, how, how you see Siakam in the series? Do you, do you think that he's going to be able to turn things around a little bit or is this just not the, the series for him to have a real efficient offensive outputs? I mean, I, I see no reason why Siakam can't get it together. There's there's no one on this Bucks defense that would really deny him throughout an entire season, given the regular season output uh, he put up. I mean, I. I what arguments so exactly do you, do you would think you it use? might be more health than anything else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah. just an ill-time cold streak because that sometimes can happen as well. Cold streak, um, I guess a little bit more inexperience as a younger player. Um, I don't know. It's it's not really something that I've considered. I, I Siakam has been more so than Kawhi. They're pretty much your most consistent player all season long. He's he's a guy that I've really learned to trust. Yeah, well, especially with Lowry and Kawhi missing so much time. He's kind of the, the one constant for them, right? He's been the guy. Actually, when we get to talking about the teams that, you know, all defense, Kawhi picked up an all defense nod. Over here, I'm thinking maybe Siakam should have gotten that nod given the amount of games that Kawhi played in the regular season. I, but I yeah, do not that's just that a testament. That, I do not hate how- that take as well, at all. <laughs> Game six predictions. Ooh, so, uh, Justin, my first prediction, feeling? I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you two for the price of one. My first is whoever wins. Is it going to be one is the Raptors uh, win, the it. other is the Bucks? I'm win, going to say whoever wins options. game six wins the series. <laughs> I think that if this goes back to Milwaukee, really? I think they close out in seven. But I, I'm going to give the nod to Toronto. I, I think that they are a team that really kind of thrives on momentum. Um, as you mentioned before, this is a new situation for Milwaukee. They had only lost back-to-back games once all season. And this is the first time they've lost three straight. You go into Toronto where they, they have great crowd support. Uh, I think the bench is going to be kick, uh, clicking on all cylinders. And Kawhi seems to be getting a little bit healthier with each game. I I just I give Toronto the, uh, a, a slight edge in game six. But uh, I, I'm really, really interested to see how Milwaukee comes out because I, I think you're going to find out which way the game's going to go in the first few minutes. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I think I'm rooting for Milwaukee, but my confidence level in Toronto builds every game. And right now, I I think I'm feeling a Raptors. I mean, they haven't lost at home yet this series. I I think the Raptors close out game six. The question is, how fatigued will they be going into a series against the Warriors who swept? Well, Warriors, uh, part of the news today, they won't have Kevin Durant for game one. So that helps who... Whoever, I mean, and that's if you go up against the Raptors. I mean, Kawhi and Kawhi Leonard doesn't have to go up against Kevin Durant like, I, I, a game or two. Oh, that's sorry, I just want to get one quick point in. I don't. Before I I'm torn. I, I am very forgetful. I kind of I feel better about Durant missing game one when you consider that either Milwaukee or Toronto is going to have home court. Like I, I I'd rather have Durant in there for like if I'm going to say that I'd, I'd rather have him for the home games because Toronto. 
I, I think Golden State's going to get at least one in Toronto or they're going to get one in Milwaukee. Um, so so for Golden State to at least hold serve at home and, and just have four opportunities to steal one on the road, I'd rather have Durant for those home games. I'm just interested to see are we going to – I feel like these updates keep getting just a little bit more bleak. Is there even a guarantee that he comes back by – by game three, or are they just at a point where, hey, we're going to rest them until we lose again, and then we'll throw they them in there in game four that. for the sweep? I don't think they can. They could afford that against Portland. No, they I don't can, think I, they can afford that against these no, two teams. Yeah, I, 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 I do not. As nice of a story as Portland was, that that was not a real playoff series. Like that, that was the worst team Golden State has. That was the first round playoff series. Yeah, that's uh, not a stretch. The I don't know what to predict for Game Six, just because. I want to be right and say that I picked the Raptors as my preseason pick to come out of the East, um, but I also want seven games, and yet I don't feel confident that I, – I think I agree with Justin that whoever wins game six ends up winning the series. I just don't – not that Toronto's incapable of winning a game seven in Milwaukee, but I would give the decided edge to the Bucks if they rattle off a game six victory and then get the head back home for game seven. So that's where, that's where I'm just at in this series. Is there really quickly – do you feel that either of these teams, who would you rather see play the Warriors in the NBA Finals? I, man, th- uh, that's, Justin, that's a good question because really all year I kind of thought that Milwaukee would be the better fit. But as I mentioned earlier with kind of the way Giannis is struggling against the Raptors defense, I, I actually now I think I'm leaning towards Toronto giving them better a better challenge. And I do think that the Warriors are actually vulnerable this year. So I, I'd like to see Toronto. Uh, I, I think that would be a lot of fun. I think the Bucks are an, a nicer story. I think Giannis is still the most likable superstar in the NBA, and Kawhi is not. Uh, I, man, it'd just be so nice to get one series of Bledsoe, Lopez, Middleton, just everyone clicking. You know, Nico to hit his shots even at the same time. Because when this team is on, they're good. I just don't see it happening. Like, I think Toronto would absolutely give them the better series. If KD misses a couple of games, like you said, Dan, and you've got Kawhi abusing that matchup, and the Warriors aren't just going to be able to coast on on Steph Curry and, and Draymond like they did against Portland. Like, that's going to be real trouble for them, and Toronto could give them a really good series. I think Milwaukee could, too. It's just... Uh, the the Warriors know, I guess would I'll, need a third-team all-NBA guy like Clay Thompson to uh, show up. <laughs> <laughs> fourth team all nba guy really though uh the all nba teams were announced today though and that gives us that we have the all defense teams the all rookie teams and now the all nba teams this is the opportunity for you guys to air any grievances you have with any of them i will start with sam all nba i actually have no grievances do you like let's get that out of the way right now do you guys are you upset uh i'm not no, upset with anything not, here i <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm very rarely. Upset. I'm always. I think, upset. I think the most interesting question here is about uh, roster implications more so than anything else. Like it's a supermax discussion that we should have. It's talking about Clay and his contract, and it's talking about Beal and his contract. Like for instance, Bradley Beal's a, a re- and it should be said, like he could still be eligible for the extension next year, but if he never gets that supermax contract. Two years from now, when Brad Beal hits free agency, like you're Washington, are you going to give him $35 million a year and lock in two-thirds of your salary cap to to Brad Beal and John Wall? Or even worse, if he is eligible for the Supermax next year, do you lock in like $80 million to $85 combined million per year into those two guys? Or do you blow it up? Yeah, I looked at, I looked at that number. 
it was 85. It was more than 85 million in year one. And then the final year of John Wall's deal, deal slash the second year of Bradley Beals could be super like max. I, I feel like every other million. NBA team should be rooting for that scenario. Should be sad that Brad Beal didn't make the third <laughs> team this year. Because if that's the situation, Washington, you just, you got to bite the bullet and blow it up. And John Wall has negative trade value on that contract. Unfortunately, I like him still, but I think that's just true. No one has that cap space anyway. Lakers. Uh, but Beal would be... Lakers. <laughs> the super team. Just in time had. to overpay Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball. Lakers, get it done. I, I will say this about the NBA teams. I, I, again, the snubs, It's I don't think you can make a huge case against anyone who made it, but there needs to be... I know there's not criteria, but there needs to be some semblance of consistency. And I think the third team was just the perfect example of uh, the stark contrast that exists. Is So, you know, Russell Westbrook didn't have his best season. Yes, he averaged a triple-double, but super inefficient. And yet his team was good. Kemba Walker came from a borderline unwatchable Charlotte Hornets team. And so if you're going to go with Walker, I feel like Beal should have been the other guard. But if you're going to go with Russell Westbrook, then Clay Thompson should have been the other guard and that you know the contract implications are another thing the media shouldn't have power over it but i do firmly believe that it's better in their hands than it would be the players uh the nba probably just needs to untether uh contract incentives to these all nba teams you've got Dwayne wade you've got Dwayne wade getting votes like come on there can't Bagley Bagley can't be like money tied up in these decisions man come on um i I, I agree. I, it's a tough look when you, you have the, the contracts tied up in this. Kemba was the one that I didn't necessarily love. I, I thought if you're going with a guy that wasn't on a playoff team, um, I, I might even give the nod to Brad Beal over him. But I, I really kind of, I sided with Clay where it's, I, I know he's had kind of a, a tough stretch shooting from three, but he still shot over 40% on the year. Uh, he he's also the the primary uh, perimeter defender for Golden State on a lot of nights, and even when he's not hitting shots, he just has so much impact when when it comes to his gravity. So, just because of the, the two way impact and being on a, a winning team, I I thought maybe giving the the nod to Clay would be a little bit more appropriate. And honestly, putting Kemba in there isn't exactly doing Charlotte any favors either. That that I would be pretty depressing. Kemba Walker, That'd be pretty depressing. Right? I mean, I, I like Kemba. It. He's easy to root for, but in reality, it, it he's just got. No, he, he's not worth he's, the, the regular um, five. He's D'Angelo oh, Russell I mean, if D'Lo yeah. started drinking coffee at twelve. <laughs> Ooh, that's Did an insult to defense? Kemba Walker's defense. Yeah, I'm Team Kemba Walker is an underage defender, even though he was not. Yeah, particularly I'm, good I'm not going to go into this, there. That's that's uh, a that different podcast. Hey, what about? Carl Anthony Towns over Gobert. Is there a case there? That was a lateral thing. Yeah, I right? think like I agree. It's a Gobert lateral thing. It's just Towns, something I saw. I, have... I don't really feel strong. That's why I said at the very beginning, I don't feel strongly about any of these. Yeah. Um, you know, for the most part, they got it right this year. I think Beal should have made it. That's the one that I can really. It could have been over Kemba Walker or Russ. I would have picked him instead of Russ, but Beal is the one that I really feel like should have yeah, made it. I, I, def- I definitely would have been a, just a monster this season. Any yes. any gripes with the all defense or all rookie teams? I, <laughs> okay. I feel like I have a hard all rookie. I'll get to in a minute. One. All defense. I actually want to talk about first. Like we need to take the entire body's work into account. It's a regular season award. 
it boggles my mind that there are all these players on the defensive teams who played 60 games. I just think they're better. Like, can can we be honest for a second and say that Kawhi kind of coasted this season through 60 games? I would take... Yeah, it, it was it was a maintenance year. Kind for of, him. like it was. Hey, I'm going to Definitely get coach. my conditioning up uh, <laughs> at my pace. I uh, I completely agree with what you said earlier that I I'd put Siakam so, over him. I'd put Siakam over him, but but fuck Siakam for a sec. Can I? Oh, let's on do that. Let's do so the uh, let's do the typical NBA podcast thing where someone asks if they can curse and and we just go, uh, Dan. I I think I think you know what we got to do right now. Fuck yeah, bro. Fuck yeah. <laughs> All right, fuck yeah. I'd take PJ Tucker yeah. <laughs> 82 games, you know, his defense over. And and that's not just me as a Suns homer, like that, you know, as a guy who would die for PJ Tucker. Like I legitimately think PJ Tucker 82 games, like that deserves to be rewarded over Kawhi 60 games. Miles Turner 74 games, his output. I know you can't put too much stock into defensive advanced stats, but like Miles Turner not only leading the league in blocks, but also third in defensive mm-hmm. box plus minus. I'd take that over Joel Embiid. Like, I understand you have to choose players on good teams, so I'm giving you players on good teams. Siakam, Turner, Tucker, still big contributors to big-time playoff teams. These And I don't know. I just don't understand some of these selections. That's all. But yeah, that's the day, my it's only thing. Like, I, I agree I with a lot of what you're much. saying, but I just can't bring myself to care. <laughs> Bra- breaking news. Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> fan doesn't care about defense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any any qualms about the all rookie teams? Justin. Sam, right. we'll yeah, no, yeah, I mean, like no, it's, one or, or these six. were all fine. It, this is honestly more like a lateral thing again. Because here's here's the thing: <laughs> I don't expect you guys to watch the Suns. They're a dumpster fire. I know it. You know it. You know, I the only thing that will make me legitimately upset is if you guys say that the Suns being a 19 win team is Devin Booker's fault. Outside of that, you know, we're mostly we're mostly cool on these opinions. But Mikhail Bridges, I think, should have gotten a look. Um, and and unfortunately, that probably would have meant Herder being out. But, you know, just to throw some stats out there, I mean, Bridges was fourth among this rookie class in VORP. He was ninth in the entire NBA in steals. He was seventh in the entire NBA in deflections. Um, he had the second highest steal to turnover ratio ever for a rookie behind Kawhi Leonard. I just think, you know, Akogi had a really good rookie season defensively on the wing, but I think Bridges by far was the best rookie wing defender. And his offense is still shaky, but he can hit an open three. He can do enough offensively. Uh, he can get a little creative with the ball and dish out some assists that I think maybe he deserved a spot on that second team. I just think, I think Mikhail Bridges is going to be a guy like Shane Battier, where I think maybe he's never going to have a huge amount of hype around him, but he's going to stay in the league for 10 to 15 years. And whether it's in Phoenix or in some other city, he's going to play for a lot of good teams and anchor a lot of good defenses. And people are always going to be talking about what a great defender uh, he is with with such great IQ. Like, I think that's the type of player he is. So again, it's not a tragedy that he didn't make it. I think Kevin Erder had a really good season. Um, but that's just, <laughs> as a Suns fan, just need to fight for my guy a little bit. So based off, I have rotations on how I watch teams throughout the season, and I tend to default in these awards insofar as I care about them uh, to the people that can just do, especially for rookies, if they're just a little bit more advanced on offense and can do stuff off the dribble. And that's what I saw from Herter this year. He was also, when he played some three in Atlanta, I was actually surprised at how he held up defensively, but he did more things off the dribble, running pick and rolls, hitting some pull-ups later in the year than I thought he could do. And I do think that this isn't Bridges' fault, but just from what I saw with the Suns, his role was just uh, far 
far just simpler in general and that's not a knock against him I think I'd agree with you that it would be a lateral move but that's why I ultimately felt that Herter ended up being the the right decision <laughs> that and I think it's just absolutely uh bonkers that the bridges <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty strong other, so in the Mikhail Bridges fan club um, big believer in him you, you, I was kind of rooting for the cast to take him at eight it's it's wild to me it is bonkers to me that it's that, wild that, that philly traded they, the exact i'm not a player huge fan needed, of the, right? the trade like philly made needed. this year <laughs> um i actually think just given workload i think i would almost give the bridges nod over mitchell robinson even though mitchell robinson was better in the minutes that he was in oh yeah oh. but i i you're talking about like a difference in but that's 10 new minutes york per game um, I, I thought that Bridges was r- relatively impressive on, on the defensive end. It's really tough to stand out um, both as a rookie and as being the only defender on the court a lot of the times with, with a very, very bad Phoenix defense. But ultimately, I, I don't care too, too much. I, I, I think he's going to have a, a long career and a, a successful career. It, it kind of feels with rookies that we'll go off whatever our initial impression of them is unless they give us enough reason to move off. And that's what a lot of this voting kind of felt like the, the top five picks didn't do, do enough to get removed from all rookie first team. And after that, it was basically whoever was kind of healthy and, and kind of had standout seasons. I, I thought Shamit actually absolutely delete, uh, deserved it. Uh, SGA was fantastic. Uh, he, I definitely think that, he deserved to be yep. six in vote getting on Sexton. Very kind of hit or miss year, but finished the year very strong. Um, and Herder and uh, Bridges, I, I think you could have gone with either one. And, and I, I definitely think that Herder was uh, deserving. And I'd give him a slight nod just because he played a, a pretty significant role on a, a team that looked pretty cohesive by the end of the year. It's it's just a testament to how strong this class is really where pulling straws a little bit and hey what everyone's saying first time that the top five guys were uh the the first team since 1994 which means have we decided which player is sam bowie oh. <laughs> which of the top five picks this I, you're, year you're baiting bowie? us you're baiting us you like we we said nice things about the suns oh, don't no. ask that question <laughs> i can't even hazard a guess there yeah <laughs> it did get better. It did get better, but now, now you're pushing our luck. If you're making us pick a Sambo, we can roll defense later in the year too. I'm gonna go with uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, you're gonna, that's you're gonna pick. I, I like Bagley for, I, for the Sambo. Yeah, that's why. I, that's why I voted him for all you know NBA before. None of them. <laughs> I like all of them. And hey, yeah. Let's let's say it's going to be. Hey, Sam, Sam I, I had think, some productive uh, seasons. Look, it's going to be Luca. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's going to be. Luka. Yeah. Oh boy, that's Look, that's and a you bad know what? one. Yeah, Mavs you know fans what? deserve Luka, that because Luka's I saw Jalen Brunson and he's just going to European and he's just going to chain and smoke that. his way out of the league. Yeah, there's your clip. That should that should be that should be the, uh, <laughs> the title. I think that's a good spot to end it. Luka Doncic is going to chain smoke his way out of the league. Uh, we'll need to CC Greg on that. Um, this has been another episode of Blue Wire Buckets, though. Uh, you need to check out all of our podcasts. Justin Rowan co-hosts the Chase Down Pod. Um, Sam Cooper uh, co-hosts the Timeline Pod. I co-host the Hardwood Knox Podcast. Um, make sure you're following Blue Wire on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Until next time. <laughs>